Welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today's super special guest is our very own Elena. Now, before I let Elena take the stage, Elena has been our sales coordinator, recruiter, a little bit of everything. She's been with the Resume Rescue if you've been following along since January. So it's coming up on six months, which is crazy. I wanted to bring Elena on because she has a very unique story. Her and I bonded the second she interviewed with me, and she is just an overall ball of energy and a breath of fresh air. So Elena, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. Or you were forced to be here, but it's fine. You know. Well, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what we'll roll with. Before we dive into your amazing career and where you're at right now, I always like to throw it back, as you know, what did you want to be when you grew up and what was your childhood like, if you feel comfortable sharing? Oh, my gosh. I don't even think you know this. So a little known fact about me is I spent like an aggressive amount of time in a hospital setting. Oh, freshman year of high school. Yeah, it's super wild. I am obsessed with like the medical field. I shadowed a bunch of OR rooms in high school, did like allied health, um, went through like CRNA classes all that fun stuff just because it fascinated me. So I did a lot of like internshipy work in a hospital setting. So for a long time, I was playing with different things related to heart functions because I love like the cardiothoracic unit as a whole. Yeah, super fun fact. So for a while, I wanted to be a cardiothoracic surgeon, loved school, did not love school that much. And I would be a horrible human being being on call the time in mornings. I don't <laughs> think I was smart enough to do that. So ideally something in the medical industry, but ultimately I knew I would end up in either tech or medical sales. So sales path for sure. But I think from the time I was like 13, I told my dad I wanted to be a cardiothoracic, um, like in cardiothoracic sales. How did you, I don't even know what, what does that even mean? I don't even know what cardiothoracic is. How does a 13 year old <laughs> even know what that is or that you knew that at that age? I don't know. I was a quirky kid. I did a lot of reading, but ideally like with pacemakers, anything pertaining to that, like stents, the field itself is just super fascinating to me. And there's so many different facets that compose of it. And so my mom actually had a lot of health issues related to her heart growing up. And so I think that that was one of the reasons I was like very attracted to like hearts and helping people from that perspective. But I am so fascinated about it. Like still to this day, I will watch surgery videos and do all of that stuff in my spare time. Just in your spare time. So when I'm not working for you, that's what I do. <laughs> we can just find you in a dark corner just looking at yeah. surgeries. Awesome. We understand. <laughs> now, you go to Michigan State and you grew up in Ludington, yes. lived there your whole life, decide you want to go to Michigan State. What was the decision to go to MSU? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> this is really good. So I applied to a lot of different colleges. Um, I was a good student. Like I... I'm very disciplined. So I had good grades, good ACT and SCT scores. Like that wasn't an issue. And I decided to go to MSU because my best friend was going there. <laughs> hey, we love the honesty. And we wanted to be roommates. So that's why I went to Michigan State. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. I didn't know that's why you decided to go there. But that's, hey. It's not like the best thing to say. Um, a lot of my family did go there. So that helps too. Like it was fine. Um yeah, it was fun. So it worked out. And going into school, what was your major? And then what did you ultimately end up when you graduated with? I was a pain in college. I think I switched my major like four times. So I started fall of 2018 and I graduated 2021, like the spring of 2021. So I was there 
fairly quickly and got it done fast. And so four major changes in such a small amount of time is like really dramatic. But I started in chemical engineering. So I was an engineer major for the first like year and a half. From chemi, I switched to applied engineering, which is essentially a business and engineering degree. And then my counselor like sat me down because I was so sick of hearing like back end comments from like grown men telling me like, oh, good for you. Like you're a pretty girl in engineering. And I was like, that is. Yeah, I know. And I was like 18 at the time. And he's like 30s, 40s, like late 30s, not even like early 30s. I just remember like it put such a bitter taste in my mouth and I knew ultimately I didn't want to just like plug and chug at a computer all day. So I switched to calm and graduated like a year later. So it was definitely worth the decision. And what was it like? Because you are our first guest on this podcast that went through school during the pandemic. So I want to talk through that. Well, I mean, what was that like? Because I don't remember the timelines. I mean, it seems like a fog at this point, but what happened? Because I know MSU shut down, sent everyone home. But what was that like, especially in your last graduating year, too? Yeah, that was weird. So I feel like I really only had, well, I did only have like a year and a half of college. So I had the year of 2018 in the dorms. And I mean, that was a riot. And then my roommate and I, we got an apartment our second year. And like for personal reasons, I ended up dropping out of college actually for a semester. Another fun fact. So I dropped out after the fall of 19, like that winter semester and spring semester. And I actually signed up to go to Hawaii for six months to go do ministry work there. So I was supposed to go April of 2020. And like a couple of weeks before I was supposed to leave to go there, the pandemic hit. And so I remember sitting there and I was like, OK, I now I'm not in school The plan I had just like backfired. We're in a global pandemic and I'm still in a town that consists of like 4,000 people. Like, what do I do? And so ultimately ended up going back to school. I think maybe like that summer or the fall. I don't know. And it was really easy to be remote to go to school. I feel like I missed out on a lot of just like normal things that kids that age do in college. Obviously, like I missed out on a lot of like the friendships and connections. It was super devastating to leave behind a lot of those people from like freshman and beginning of sophomore year and being, you know, in different states and everything and nobody could travel to see each other. But looking back at it, I'm a very like analytical brain person. So I was like running everything in my head. I'm like, oh, this is great because I can do like internships or work. And I was taking like I don't know, 15 to 18 to question mark credit hours. And it was just like a breeze, like it flew by so fast. And I think that that's why I'm so excited and ready to get my master's too, because I feel like I had such an easy undergrad relative to most people that I feel like I never really did the whole college thing. Well, and it is such a short time. I mean, but you're absolutely right, because my senior year, I mean... That's where I made a lot of my friends. I had my fair share of fun, but definitely like the traveling aspect because, you know, I went to Penn State. I mean, I have one friend that lives here from college, but it's so different and it does make a big difference because you kind of just breeze through it. But oh my gosh. Now, getting your master's degree, what are we getting it in? I don't know. The thing that really interests me is the science (laughs) of advertising, but I hate marketing and I hate advertising. So it seems extremely inconsiderate to waste my time to go do that. Right. So I'm going to wait to find a more logical solution down the line, but I'll report back. We love that. Something that's a little bit more logical. So 2021, you graduate. 
Yes. You fell into a bomb ass job because I was shocked at how much money you were making out of college because that was unheard of. But yes, we love her. Talk us through how you got into it. Yes. So in college, my minor is global sales. I was part of like the global sales society. And we had these different meetings that happened where different employers would take this program. I think it's a very good program. Um, their like job placement rates like a hundred percent. Like everybody out of the program's place, wow. like within a certain I don't remember if it's like six months or whatever it is outside of the program, but they're all placed in like a career position, you know, within that amount of time. And so I was looking at all these opportunities and everything and having an engineering background, like my love, like my favorite project to this day that I ever did in college was backend coding like a step walk app on an iPhone. So like building out that entire app process. And I just love that technology behind it. And so my first job was with AT&T kind of going inside of that sales path. And so I fell in love with it super fast. I think it's crazy being like barely 21, you know, like stepping foot in corporate America. Like that was such a experience. I feel like looking back at that. But I mean, stepping foot into that, it was crazy. I was doing a lot of different things pertaining to what I loved, which is really cool. They have a really good sales program. So the actual like position title I was hired into was the B2B sales program. And so they have a mobility side, which is like an iPhone or tablet-y type-based role, which I knew I didn't want to do. And then there's the backend side of it, which makes my heart happy with like dedicated internet lines and you learn through working with their IT specialists about like routing lands and all of this stuff, which like makes my heart really happy on the nerd side of the spectrum. So I wanted to combine both of them because that was the most competitive. And for the first whatever amount of months it was, the top sellers get to chose what they wanted to specialize in. And so I think I was ranked like first or second at the time in our sales program. Wow. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. And so I chose the universal route of selling both and having like the higher specialty. And, you know, in theory, that guaranteed you a better job for your next position upon graduating. I got the B2B seller um, of the year award for our class. And then COVID kind of fizzled out. So I did it remotely. I was supposed to be down in Dallas. And... I sat there like staring at my parents and I was like, I don't want to move to Dallas for a job. Like I'm still 21. I shouldn't have even graduated college yet. And I mean, the company as a whole is incredible, especially being on the inside of AT&T. I have such a newfound respect for such a large enterprise company and the way they operate and like treat their employees. I mean, like they are an amazing company. And I don't know, that was definitely quite the experience, I think. After that, I did nothing for a few months because I was just like staring at a wall of like, what did I just do? (laughs) Why did I make that decision? I I should have gone to Dallas. But it's so hard. And, you know, I don't know if I would have done it, especially. I mean, it's different. I, I see why you wouldn't do it. I mean, I see both sides of it. I mean, Looking back when I was, not that I'm so much older than you, but when I was your age, I mean, I was ready to come Mm -hmm. home. I mean, granted, I wasn't in the middle of the pandemic when I went to school, but it was so different because I was like 18. I wanted to get out. So I went to Penn State. And then when I graduated, I was like, I kind of want to like stay home. Like I kind of want to be back home and what I'm comfortable with. And now looking back, I'm like, "Hmm, maybe I should have moved like my other friends did. But you're moving now. So well, and at the time, too, I was in like a year and a half relationship, I think at that point. And all my family is like congested in a similar area in northern Michigan. 
So I feel like the comfortness of everything was so easy to where like so much personal growth and everything has changed since that point. But it was just like it made so much more sense and was safe to be here because I knew I'd find another job I knew would work out. But looking back at it, that's definitely a decision I kind of regret. But I'm here with you now. Exactly. That's what I wanted you to say. Come on. So how did you find your next opportunity after that? I genuinely don't know. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Fun fact, anyone listening? Listen, Elena's our wild child is what I like to call her. Is like every day something new. It's like, oh, surprise, I did this. Hey, I threw up on my walk today. Or, oh, I decided to sign up for a full marathon. (laughs) Hey, I drove nine hours to Tennessee to visit my uncle today solo. Like, I love it. I'm live vicariously through you. So it was a half marathon, not a full marathon. Oh, sorry, a half. My bad. Something I, I could never do, but God bless. Go ahead. Yeah, I really don't know. I don't, I have like a foggy memory, I feel like, of that time period. I remember like the whole like sitting, staring at a wall thing, contemplating like existence, like most 21 year olds would do. Of course. And I think my dad was like, on me like extra that time frame like he was like dude you gotta get your crap together like what are you doing with your life and I just remember looking <laughs> at him like deadpan in the eyes and I was like I should still be in college like you should be thanking me right now and I remember like <laughs> yeah so I remember like that was like my like comeback to every argument it's a good one it wasn't but it did its job right I remember after a while, I think I just like got so like anxiety ridden to where I was like, okay, like I do need to come up with the next plan. What are we going to do? <laughs> and a recruiter messaged me for the company and was like, hey, I see your sales background. It was through LinkedIn and was talking to me about it. So I was like, I'll see how it goes. And I was doing something like I usually do. Like I was driving somewhere, like doing something weird because I remember taking the interview in a car, <laughs> like on the phone. <laughs> Don't do that. For those of you listening, no. please, please be stationary. Don't do what I do. We do not recommend that. <laughs> the viewer's discretion is advised. Yes. I just remember being on the highway and like talking to this guy. And he was like, you'd be a great fit for this company. Like you have to come join. And I was like, okay, sure. All right. And I remember calling my dad afterwards and I was like, hey, I think I just got a new job. And he was like, I didn't even know you were interviewing. And I was like, yeah, I just took it in the car. Like, it's great. They're sending me over the paperwork from HR. And that's literally what happened. They had like two classes to like teach you the recruiting side and everything. One was like the beginning of June. And then the other one was like after 4th of July. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to give up summer on a boat. Right. The career can wait. So yeah, I did that. And it was good. It was an interesting experience for sure. They're a great company. Like there's nothing negative to say about them in that aspect. But in terms of compensation and everything that I was... I guess, like predisposed to with AT&T, I did not think that it was going to be long-term fit inside of it. And then when I stumbled across you guys and applied to your job, I was like, yeah, no, okay, I'm done. Okay, I'm done. I'm good. Now, when we were talking about recording this podcast, yeah, and I do want to bring it up, you took a pay cut to come work for me. Oh, yeah, I did. What I did in the interview process, Elena had shared with me how much money she was making at AT&T, what she was doing in her job after. And I straight up was like, I could get you there <laughs> in the next few years. But I shared revenue numbers. I shared our potential, where we're at with everything. 
And I remember doing that because you and I connected big time, like first preliminary call. We had both have worked at a bar, both start our own companies, and you haven't even touched on that yet. But it was something interesting. And I want to talk through that whole process. I know you had some personal stuff going on then when you started with us and all the fun stuff that happens with being an adult here, which we hate. But what was going through your head at that point? And what do you feel comfortable, of course, sharing? Because in the background on this is this position was going to be part time. I put one position out on LinkedIn. I found you. Then Al came along too. We split it up into two positions that we said, okay, part time into full time. But I want your side of the story of this, of why you decided, screw it. I'm going to quit my other job and jump into this full time. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that I've learned like through personal growth and like everything that I want to achieve as an individual is society views things as important that you don't and that's okay. Like you don't have to have the nicest car, the most expensive house in the block and be miserable and be going through a divorce. You know what I mean? Like there's so many things behind closed doors that people don't see, but on the outside they want to have like the clean sparkly life. And with my previous job, I knew that I had the potential to make you know, a lot of money and everything else. But mentally, I was exhausted all the time. I had, you know, a lot of internal struggles with different clients that I was facing. And ultimately, like I chose myself and my happiness day to day, as opposed to a lifestyle I thought I needed to have or felt pressure to take on. I think that that was one of the biggest motivating factors behind it was saying like, okay, like I have the rest of my life to make money. Like I'm starting this company. I, you know, I'm a little scrappy. You know, I'm not going to have any detrimental effects by taking a pause. And especially, you know, when we were talking about like the potential and everything else and the ways to scale things up personally, the timelines, like from, you know, a potential employee side, there was so much transparency, I feel like, between both you and I in terms of, okay, these are the numbers I've had previously. These are the numbers like I need in these timelines. Is that feasible? And I feel like with our connection and everything, there was enough trust there for me to hear your yes and believe that even if I can't see it right away and like kind of like blindly follow suit because of that connection that I had with you and because I never felt like you did anything other than share things with me in their full transparency. So I think it was very easy, especially since I feel like there were a couple scenarios in terms of like deal and comp structures with the last job where I felt like a sheet was kind of pulled over my eyes. That's kind of like a sensitive thing. And you had alleviated like all of that stress. And I mean, you and I don't still talk about those things. You know, okay, where do you need to be monthly? And, you know, all of these things. And you do monthly check-ins with all of us and everything else to make sure we're on the right track or what we need to improve on. And so that's ultimately like the lifestyle I would rather choose. And grow and build with you than be miserable all day, every day. And it's interesting, too, because a lot of people and we've if you listen to our podcast, you follow us on socials, you know, it's always like make the most money. And that's why I was so excited to have this conversation, because what do you do when you have an opportunity that you feel really good about? And I I've said this so many times on this is like, yes, trust your gut on everything. But transparency is key. I mean, Companies have the financials. Companies have all these details and the potential and different growth projects. Like we're working with someone right now to do financial modeling so we can scale and everyone could be monetarily where they're at. But not to get on my soapbox, but you know, that's what I do on this whole podcast. 
it's just so fascinating to me. Allison and I were talking about this this morning on our live, but it's so fascinating when companies say, oh, we have to cut you when they're a multi-billion dollar company and like, oh, we have to make pay cuts. We need to do this when it's like you've had the highest revenue streak. And that's where I think a lot of business owners or especially in sales, I mean, sales is very cutthroat too, that they get greedy and then you forget about people. You forget about the people. Could I find someone to do it for half the price? Sure. Could I find someone to edit this podcast cheaper? Could I find someone to do this cheaper? Yes. But you also pay for the quality of work. If you give that transparency to your employees, it's crazy how much they trust you. But that is something great. And especially like we all have our own different situations that we're very transparent. Like, hey, I'm going through this right now. Or when I yell at you to take the day off because whatever that may be. But because I won't. (laughs) Yes, she's she's as stubborn as hell one, guys. It's serious here. So with everything with where you're at, because you you kind of had like a bright eyed and bushy tailed future right now, which is exciting. So talk to us through what's happening in the next few months, the next year. Talk about the walk. I want to hear it all. Okay, cool. So in terms of where I am and what I see, which is funny because this morning I was just talking about like future plans and everything I want like to get done like within the next 10 years. So that's funny that this was brought up. But yeah, I started a company called The Walk and super excited about that. We officially launched October of last year, 2022. That's still weird to say. Um, I know. I just will never get used to that. I did a thing. I know. Like, I did a thing. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Um, And that's going crazy. We thought it was going to go, or at least we hoped. It's crazy because I've changed so much as a person in the last, like, nine months with this company. Uh, You know, I've seen the full end of the spectrum and like myself stressed in ways I've never felt so stressed about in my entire life. And it's so cool because I've had to force myself into these marketing nuts, which I hate with a passion and like suck it up because you have to. And like all of these big decisions. And right. I mean, the company itself is going great. Our sales are doing really well, which is super exciting. We just partnered with World Vision, which is absolutely insane. You didn't tell me that, you freaking loser. I'm sorry. Congrats. I only talk to you every day, but fine. It's cool. I know. I'm so- It's the forgetting to like talk about the important things. <laughs> Elena will tell me stuff. You'll tell me stuff about like, oh my gosh, this drama. I have to tell you about my crazy neighbor, but not, you know, these big partnership opportunities. Okay. I know. I know. So anyways, super excited. Um, We've been talking to some people over at World Vision for the last few months. It's been going really well. And then, yeah, we just formed a partnership with them. I would say like a month ago, we're helping them out with some of their next gen projects. They are raising a goal of a million dollars and funding it over to Somalia. Wow. And then the next gen is cool because it targets the market that we're targeting. It's the 18 to 29 year olds. And it's super cool because... The company itself is a very humanitarian-based company, and they have these crazy projects going at all times. And then from our company's perspective, because we feel very called to tithing. So like even with our initial lump sum of sweatshirts that we bought, we tithed 10% of the initial sweatshirts that we had produced and like gave them out to people and did them as like favors for people and stuff like that, just because we wanted to keep it like consistently throughout the entire brand. And so... With tithing and now having to deal with like marketing emails and everything else, which is just such a concept to me. Like this is just not my realm. So it's 
just crazy. But with all of that, like coming to fruition, it's super cool because that has a good plan behind it, moving down to the Detroit area where the other co-owner lives. And so that's being operated out of there, obviously, you know, where we are as the company. So that's good too. So I have my two companies down there. So that'll be fun. Yes. I've always wanted to do like the business owner thing. Since I was young, I've made my parents extremely mad, specifically my mother. I feel like most kids, like when they're growing up, especially females, they're like, I can't wait to get married and have kids and like start a family. I was always like the opposite. Like marriage, I think is great. And I'm so looking forward to that someday. Like, I think that's going to be great. That's going to be like my favorite thing on this planet. But like kids, uh uh-uh. I don't want kids. I've like never been like, I can't wait to be the best mom ever. I'm very much team. Like if my husband wants them, like I will have them. But like Max cut off line it too. Like not my thing. (laughs) And so (laughs) with like everything going up, it's so funny. Cause like all my friends are like getting engaged and married and like are talking about children. And I'm like, what the heck are you guys doing? It's funny because like I feel like I'm like a finance bro stuck inside of a female's body because I feel like... (laughs) It's like the best way I can describe it. That's how I feel. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, like you need a house. Like how many streams of income are you going to have like going into it? So my family has a couple HR blocks and growing up and like seeing taxes and seeing how all of that plays into it, that put a huge perspective on everything. Like I would do taxes to help them out like in high school and college. So I was like learning what IRAs are and 401ks and how things are like becoming distributed and how things are taxed at retirement ages. And my dad's a financial advisor. So all of these things were like picked up on at such a young age. And I attached to all of that so much more than I was like, oh, companionship, children, whatever. Right. So my ultimate goal is I would like to have four companies and to be an employee by 35. So at 35, I would like to assess to see if, you know, I could maybe do part time or something else. But by 35, I want to have four functioning businesses that can like complete my stream of income. Dang, girl. And I know what the other three are. I just need to find collateral. I need to find a husband now that can put up my collateral. (laughs) Looking for that Mrs. Degree. It's fine. I love it. As we wrap this up, what advice do you have for listeners? Oh, gosh. Big sigh. Take the pay cut. Take the pay cut. In the theoretical sense of take whatever you feel like is being held over your head and keeping you from what you feel like you want to accomplish in life. If you have this facade made up of this is the lifestyle I need to live or, you know, I need to be married by 25 or I need to have this amount of kids or like owning a home. Like I feel like there's such like an insane amount of stress right now of owning homes and like the certain age you're supposed to do it by, whether it's, you know, some people buy their first house at 22, some people buy their first house like 40 you know, take the pay cut, like chill out, go sit on the porch and smile and drink a cup of coffee in the morning and like not go on your email and find a job that allows you to balance that lifestyle. So you're not going at a hundred all the time. That is my piece of advice. Ooh, that's good. I like that. Because I always go at a hundred all the time and I need to take my (laughs) same, same girl, same. (laughs) Elena, this was so much fun. If you're listening and you want to connect with Elena, if you want to buy from the walk, all of the links are in the show notes and tune in next week for another episode of That's Business. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. 
Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at the Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.